Hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll chat with a friend whom I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8:28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll share writing and publishing questions from our listeners. However, once in a while, I'll offer bonus content, a special interview that's out of the norm for the format of our show, and today is one of those days. So let's get started. All right, we are back again for another All Things Podcast special bonus content edition where we are continuing the conversation on racial injustice and really how the white evangelical church uh, can get educated because we have really uh, been a dismal failure in this issue over the years. And I, for one, am... Um, I'm offended by it. So Mm -hmm. I think uh, this has, uh, we want to just keep this conversation going. And so every time I meet another black sister who I believe has a story to tell, um, then, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. So that's what we're doing today. We have Dr. Sabrina Black on with us today. So before I introduce you, Dr. Black, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you so much, Athena. I've been looking forward to getting a chance to join you on this platform. Amen. So here is who we are talking to today. Dr. Sabrina Black is a woman after God's own heart. She's an author, professor, counselor, mentor, life coach, missionary, and Bible scholar. A national and international speaker for conferences. Hang on one second a national and international speaker for conferences, retreats, and workshops. Sabrina's dynamic message of life's struggles, temptations, and triumphs challenges others to deal with the real issues of Christian living. Amen to that, sister. (laughs) She is a warm, witty woman of God whose messages connect with audiences that are multicultural, cross-generational, and of various denominations. She is a much sought out after a consultant for schools, churches, corporations, and organizations, published by Moody, Zondervan, Kriegel, Priority One, Abundant Life Resource, and Our Daily Bread, Discovery House. She is the Clinical Director of Abundant Life Counseling Center. She has provided hope, healing, and help for individuals, families, and groups for over 25 years. Dr. Black has degrees in psychology and counseling from WSU. Wayne State University. I'm like, is she from Washington? (laughs) Nope. Okay. (laughs) All right. I stand corrected. Here I thought you were uh, purple and gold. WSU from (laughs) Washington. (laughs) (laughs) She is also the president of the National Biblical Counseling Association. She has expertise in the field of addictions, sexual abuse, marital conflicts, and communication, boundaries, stress, anxiety, burnout, anger management, and depression. 
you are my kind of girl. I'm telling you, you are talking about the tough stuff that we need to be talking about. That's where we have to go. Yes. Mm -hmm. Dr. Black has served as expert talent on several uh, American Association of Christian Counselors video-based training projects, including the new Race and Reconciliation, Grief and Loss, and Domestic Violence. Many people who also know her from her work with the highly acclaimed Divorce Care, Grief Share, and Single Parenting video-based training program. There is much more I could say about you, Dr. Black, but let me just say I'm so thrilled to have you with me today uh, and just love being able to have this conversation and ask you to help educate us white women <laughs> who don't know what no, the heck we're doing. Absolutely. I'm more than happy to do that. But you know, it's interesting, Athena, as you were reading a little bit about my background and you talked about the people I'm published with, right away, the first thing I realized is I'm not published with Wine Press and I'm not published with Redemption. And why is that? <laughs> I do not know, girlfriend. Because we have lots of, lots of my black sisters are authors, but we have not connected until now. And I'm so glad we did. I'm so glad we have too. You know, as I've been looking up you a lot, I realized that you've been involved in the publishing industry for years. Yep. And I thought, okay, how is it that our paths haven't crossed? And I, I've been writing pretty much most of my life, but I mean, professionally, probably since about the year 2000. But I thought at some point, it's like we would have crossed paths, but here we are. And let's Amen. do what we can do now. <laughs> Amen. So what I want to start with, and, and certainly any um, because the theme of our show is Romans eight twenty eight, how God mm -hmm. works all things together for good, even yes. when, you know, it's a crazy, destructive, painful <laughs> thing that he works good from. Yes. Um, I would love for our listeners to hear just a smidgen of your story of how you have experienced racial injustice just because of the color of your skin, which <laughs> ought not to be. Yeah, you're right Give about it. Give us a little insight into your life. Absolutely. I, I would love to do that. But, you know, even before I talk about insight into my life, I want to give a shout out to Melanie. And Melanie, of course, is one of our awesome sisters. I know there's several Melanies in the group, but you know the one that you are. Uh, because it's a, as a result of Melanie that we're actually having this conversation today. Uh, Melanie posted uh, an open letter to dear black people and people of color a couple of months ago. And, and I remember when I saw Melanie's post, I remember thinking, okay, here we go. Uh, another white person saying, oh, we're so sorry. We love you so much. What can we do to make it better? How can we make it right? And I kind of just blew it off. And, and I went to bed and I, I got to tell you, I think that night, God just laid on my heart, her sincerity. And he says, you know, she really does want an answer. She's just not writing a glib letter. She's asking for help. And if you're saying you want to be in a relationship, then help her. And so I remember I got up that morning and I started writing. And I kept thinking, don't censor, don't edit, just write and publish. And right away, that letter just kind of took off. Since that time, that letter has become an article in Heart to Heart magazine. Um, I've had several conversations with other people about race. Um, Melanie and I have got a chance to connect as well as several other awesome sisters. And here you and I <laughs> sitting yep. here having a conversation. And so again, I think that there are times when people really do have a sincere heart and they want to know, what do I do? And so I'm glad to be able to have this opportunity to talk about that. Amen. So my journey, 
my God, I'm just thinking, Lord, where do I begin with the journey about race? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to begin with a journey when you've been black all your life. So, so, so my journey, I think, really started at, as a little girl. Um, I have always been a creative child. I've always been a writer. I've always wanted to help people. And I remember growing up, my mom used to say that she was kind of worried about me a little bit because I would write these stories. And I kept thinking, how old was I back then? And I realized I had to be younger than 10 because at that point we still lived in Ohio and we moved to Detroit when I was 10 years old. And so I'm thinking somewhere between seven and 10 year old, I'm writing these major stories about people with these life dramas and traumas. And my mother kept saying, that, that stuff wasn't on television. And we didn't know those people. And so I was concerned about what, what in your imagination was making you think about people with such devastating lives. And she said she didn't realize even then that God was working on me and my calling to be a professional counselor. That he knew that I would walk alongside people who would have those lives. And he was equipping me to have a heart from them even then. But I remember when I was little, one of my best friends was a little white girl who lived down the street. Her name is Shelly, and I'm always looking for Shelly. So if you're watching, shout out to you. Look me up. You can Google me. Uh, but but Shelly and I were best buddies. And, and I don't know that we paid attention to the color of our skins until we got to school. So probably like five, six years old, by the time we were in first grade, somebody then pointed out the difference of, why are you with her? She's dirty. And I remember thinking, who? I, she could, clearly not me, because I knew I took a bath this morning and Shelly didn't look dirty. I mean, her skin was white. You'd see dirt on her. And I remember things changed between her and I after that. And so this whole issue of race, you know, starts early. It, it starts with how children respond, how teachers respond, how community people respond. And so then by the time you grow up and you end up in church, you would really expect church people to be different, wouldn't you? You would. Yeah, you would think that these are the people who love God, who love his word, and who love his people. And these are people who are educated enough to realize there is only one race, you know, and that we're all different shades of that one race, the human race, right, that race right. of people that were created in his image, our image bearers. You know, and, and so I'm expecting that in the Christian community, that would be the case. You know, and, and I got to say, I've attended some really good churches in my lifetime, and, and most of them have been... Uh, black churches, some interracial mixed churches, or what they were calling cultural churches at the time, you know, multicultural. And it's so funny when I think about that, because multicultural meant you had two white people in a black church, or two black people in a white church. <laughs> but but they, they considered that cultural, you know, that was a multicultural church. It was, it was the beginning of a mix. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I think for most people, that would be true, uh, especially when you think about how we look at color. Because the thought is, if you mix black into anything, it becomes black. And so I guess they figure if you mix a couple of black people in, it makes it a black church or whatever. But at any rate, so in church, again, you're expecting that things are going to be different. And, and I got to say that within the sanctuary, things were. But I think that by the time God called me into ministry beyond the local church, and I began to do speaking at different platforms and traveling around the world, that's when color became more of an issue all over again within the Christian community. So it wasn't just so much the local church, it was more those organizations that I was now a part of, the different associations who had Christian as part of their name, who didn't act Christ-like. And I got to tell you, that was really devastating. Uh, just to realize that I could sit in a room and, and be at a table and not have a voice at the table. You know, and, and I remember when God told me that he put me at the table, not man. And if he put me there, it's because I had something to say. And if I didn't say it, it was my responsibility. 
And so, so I think a lot of times, especially as African-American and people of color, we have to take ownership sometimes of the rooms that we're in and realize that we're not there by accident, that if God brought us there, do something with it. And it's not just for us, but it's for the other people that God wants us to bring alongside of us. And, mm -hmm. and so being at those tables, though, and, and then having ideas and things that I've shared be ignored, and then a half hour later, somebody else says the exact same thing, and the whole group applauds, yay, yay. It's like the first time they've ever heard it. I'm thinking, didn't I say that <laughs> just a few minutes ago? Wow. Or maybe my lips didn't move when I thought it, <laughs> you know? But to know, no, I said it. I actually wrote it down and made a note of it when I said it. And now here it is, and everybody's applauding, and now we're getting ready to run off and do something with what was my idea. You know, and, and so those kinds of experiences but then cause you to not say much when you're in the room. I, mean, I know that's a lot. It would definitely <laughs> silence you, which is just mm -hmm. what Satan loves to do. Absolutely. Shame yeah, you yeah. and silence you. Yeah, he, he wants you to feel dis, you know, feel you discouraged, feel dis yeah. by God, to feel like you're displaced, to feel like there's no room for you. When the Bible says clearly that your gifts make room for you and, and that God opens doors, effective ministry that no man can shut. And so I'm thinking, okay, if God has opened this door, then I got to be real clear that I know why I'm here right. and not let that be anybody else's responsibility. You know, but I got to tell you, those experiences have over and over and over again. Mm. You know, even recently, since I, I wrote the response to Melanie's open letter, I've had several different conversations with people. And, and again, they're saying, hey, we, we love you. We're so sorry about what's happened. How do we make this right? You know, can, can you come to the table and have a conversation with us? Can you bring other Black people? And I'm thinking, ah, you know, Black people have had the same experience that I've had. You know, they've sat at those tables already. And most of them are not interested in coming to sit at the table anymore. They, right. they want to build their own tables. There's no, there's <laughs> There's, there's not much trust there. No, no, no they trust want whatsoever. To have an idea that someone else might steal again. <laughs> exactly. You know, and then you got to know that, it, and as a people, that's happened over and over again too. You know, we were talking. You know, I'm doing these conversations uh, called the conversations on race, and I got this group of BMWs, these black men I'm meeting with. But it was a four part series, and one of the guys even said, he says, you know, Doc, he says black people have had things stolen them for so often. You know, we we're talking about movies, and somebody mentioned the Matrix, and he says, you know, the, the guy who wrote the Matrix was actually black, and he had to sue somebody to get the rights to the movie that he wrote after this movie has become famous. And again, most people don't know that it was authored right. by a black person. Right. You know, they talked, and he started talking about stuff like the super soaker and the, all these other inventions and things. And I just thought, yeah, you're right about it. And, you know, and so people are tired of fighting. You know, yeah, yeah they want to come to the table. Yes, they want to be a part. Yes, they want to be included. But they want to be included and valued. They want to be included and significant, not having to fight for presence. As an equal. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, and like you said, and I don't want to hear that foolishness about you don't see color, because if you don't see color, that's a problem. How do you not see color? And I'm as dark as I am. I'm a black woman. You know, I'm a black woman who loves the Lord, who loves his people, who wants to show up and be a part of whatever it is that's going on. You know, so I'm excited about, you know, again, just this opportunity to share some of these things now. And, and I pray for my sisters and brothers who will be listening to this podcast in days to come, that they'll think about times when somebody blacks at the table and they never heard their voice. You know, because sometimes you have to invite people into the conversation. They're, they're waiting for a space to jump in. You know, I, I tell people it's like doing double jump, you, double dutch. You know, you're waiting, trying to figure out, okay, is, is this where I jump? Is this where I jump in? And sometimes the game is over by the time you get your rhythm. Yep. Wow. So, okay. So do you have some other 
kind of church. I mean, I, that was a great example. And that's something I have not heard yet. Mm-hmm, so you're, mm-hmm. I love how God is weaving all these different things that my black sisters have been through that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of complement each other and really make it um, full. Uh, it, so what's your experience been in the church realm of, of give us some examples of how you were dismissed or just treated that didn't seem right. Yeah. So in, in the church realm, like I say, in the local church, it hasn't been that much of a problem because in most of the local churches I've been involved in, I've always been involved in leadership. So okay. I've been involved in women's ministry. I've been involved in discipleship. I've oversaw the counseling programs. And so I've always had a position where I was able to have a voice at the table. But when those churches met with other churches, then that might've been a little bit of a challenge. So for example, um, in the Metro Detroit area, we have a lot of different collaborative efforts that we're trying to do. And we've been doing those for several years now with the urban churches and suburban churches where they come together. And and that was a learning curve for a lot of the churches because when they would come together, it would be wonderful. The the white church is bringing the money. So because we're bringing the money, we also get to have all the ideas. We get to have the last say and you have to come to us. (laughs) You know, and so it it had, it it became a a turnaround. And and I got to say, it was great. You know, it really was not a bad experience. It was just like a a little bit of a rub in initial, you know, initially. And, And I think about that rub is not a bad thing because the Bible talks about how iron sharpens iron and that's iron rubbing up against each other and so as as we're doing this rub we're learning each other and and so I think that it took us a couple of months but after those couple of months people really began to see that if you want to bring the black church to the table then maybe you have to come sit at their table even though their table may be a little wobbly and not as stable as your table or as big and as wide as your table come sit at the table and experience it from this perspective not just from your own perspective you know if, if you're coming and we're talking about who's putting up what yes you may come with more dollars, but we also come with other values. And so let us tell you what it is that we're bringing to the table too. And so I think a lot of those experiences had to, uh, uh, the process of education is not just this handout or this hand up, but look, I got two hands as well, and I want to give you what I got. And so if each person is bringing 100%, then we're all going to benefit from what we're bringing. And so I think that was part of that process that we went through, but it really was a good experience. I can't say that it was all bad. That's so good. Okay, so um, now you've already touched on a few things that um, us white, Christian, (laughs) well-meaning, awkwardly uh, trying to come up with something to say to say that, you know, I mean, I, we had this happen in a boot camp, one of our online boot camps. We had 30 women there, one, Mm -hmm. one black sister, the rest were white. And in in asking how she was doing with all of the George Floyd stuff and trying to start a conversation, uh, one of my sisters said made the comment, "Well, when I see you, I don't see black. I just see mm-hmm. your heart." And you know, our black sister had to say, "Don't say that because mm-hmm. that offends me. Don't mm-hmm. say that because if you don't see black, then you're blind because I am." And mm-hmm. You know, so that was a great teaching moment for the rest of us in the room who, and and we knew what she was saying. She was uh-huh. saying, I see your heart. That's what I, I see yeah. that you're a sister, you know, yeah. but, but we don't, sometimes I just think we don't know what to say. So we end up saying stupid stuff huh. that does not necessarily help, right. you know, you feel comfortable and valued and understood and seen and so 
can you think of any other things like that that uh, yeah would help us <laughs> would help us to not you know fall in that ditch and you know we won't we want to be able to love and learn and grow mm -hmm. and it, it sometimes it helps to just be able to verbalize what yeah. is not right and what would be right but a couple of things that come to mind right away is is you people <laughs> Yep. I mean, you people are almost like fighting words. You people, who people, <laughs> you know, or, or, or y'all do, like y'all who, you know, and, and so again, to realize if we're one people, then it can't be you people. Is right. that we're all God's people. And so phrases like that, or things like, well, I have a black friend. You know, because again, when we talk about friends, we really have to define what a friend means. You, you may have a, a black acquaintance, or you may have somebody's black phone number in your phone that you never call, or you may have met a black person at a conference or an event, but that's not a friend. That's mm -hmm. just somebody that you know so that you can say you can claim somebody. You know, right. and, and so I was thinking, if we're going to say that we have a friend, then we need to spend time really getting to know that friend. Are they married? Are they single? Do they have children? What are their hopes? What are their desires? What are their fears? What are the things they're looking forward to accomplish? What is God speaking into their life? I mean, when you have a friend, those are the kinds of things you know. You know, when you have a friend, you're spending time with that person. You're going to their house and they're coming to yours. And so I would say that one of the things that we can really do is, is work on this building of relationships and it's really getting to know each other. And that takes time. Right. You, you know, we can look beyond just the idea of when I call people and I'm looking to do something, don't just call all the people like me, call some people who are different than you because different brings a different perspective and different brings a different value and a different significance. And so call somebody different. Don't just call the same crew of people. I think we, could, we should be more intentional about expanding our circle of influence. You know, so if you have a black friend, make sure you bring it to the table more often than you do. Well, and, and yeah, and make sure that when you say friend, you're not just, it's not just a, a name on Facebook that, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I have about 4,000 something friends on Facebook. And the funny thing is I actually know those people. Yep. <laughs> you know? And uh, I'm, I look at normal. that and think, okay, wow, I, I, I know a whole lot of folks, you know. But if I had to call us some people, there's probably a couple of hundred of them I could actually really call. But right. when I call, when I think about the people who, who know the secrets that people say they know where the bones are buried. Yep. <laughs> I probably have about five or maybe to 10 of them of people who are that close. They know all the insides and outs of everything. But, but be careful about how we use terminology. I, okay, that's really good. Because just that whole... Um, you know, getting not just, okay, this isn't a moment where we want to just get over feeling uncomfortable. Right. As quick as we can so we can go back to life as usual. I pray and, we don't go back. I know. I know. Mm. And, you know, for us to learn what what have we said that might have been demeaning mm -hmm. um, and, and be careful to stay away from that and spend that time to actually get to know you beyond... Yeah. Just the surface. Yes. Beyond the surface. Beyond yeah. the social media selfie. Like, <laughs> aren't, see, we're friends. See, I have a black friend. Yeah, I totally get that. And that's, you, you know, when I think about friends, friends are, are, are people who go through the struggle together. You know, and, and so if all of our times have been good times, we, we may be beginning to be friends. We're still developing, but we need a struggle or two to forge through, to be able to say, you know what, you're important enough to me to, to fight the good fight of faith and to work this out and to stay together after it. You know, when I think about conflict, I always think about, you know, what's most important, making my point or building this relationship?
You know, what's going to be important when this argument is over? Will we still be able to talk to one another later? And I think right now, because racial tension is so high about so many things, you know, from uh, police brutality to things that are happening in the streets to protesting and rioting and all of that, everybody has an opinion of it. And, and it's not this whole political issue even. It's a deep-seated heart issue, I think that we have not reconciled in our heart that God really has made us one. And, and so until we work that out, we can't work out anything with one another. And that is always, isn't that always what God's trying to do? He's trying Absolutely. to refine us. He's trying to get us to see where we do not have his thoughts, do not have his perspective, do mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. treat others like we want to be treated. You know, we, ah. There's so much there that um, we have so much to learn and mm -hmm. it's just, it's not going to happen fast. It's going <laughs> to take, take time. It's interesting. I got, like I said, I got a chance to watch uh, some of your other podcasts and listen to some of your other shows. And uh, I think it was, uh, it was in the last week or so, I think it was July 25th. You talked about at the end, uh, being a brownie or wanting to be a brownie. Do you remember that conversation? Right, right, right. <laughs> and so again, racial issue. I remember wanting to be a Girl Scout. But of course, uh, I was advanced for my age always, and I always wanted to do things beyond what people thought I was capable of doing. So I remember when I was little, man, I couldn't wait to be a Girl Scout. And they were saying, no, she's too young to be a Girl Scout. She has to be a brownie. And I kept thinking, I am not wearing a doo-doo brown uniform. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thinking... My skin is brown. I'm going to look like the doo-doo brown uniform. I cannot do that. I want the green one. <laughs> I want the green one. Absolutely. And so I remember thinking, okay, so I'm not going to do that uniform. But there was always this longing and this desire to be connected with other girls, with other women. There is something about sisterhood. And I tell you, that's why I joined ASA. I thought, man, the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, these godly Christian women who are coming together to support one another. And that's what women look for when they join things that they're looking for that support that camaraderie and it doesn't matter what color they are they're not joining because of the color they're joining because of the sisterhood you know and so when I was thinking about that it, it took me back to uh, Romans uh, oh god what is it Romans 15 16 it's, it's where Paul writes the letter uh, for Phoebe I want to say, I want to say, it's the first two verses of it, it's a 16, I think, where he says, I commend to you, my sister Phoebe, you know, receive her in the Lord. You know, she, she's a worker in the kingdom. She's been helpful to other people and to me. Now she needs somebody to help her. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's what, it, what it's like for me when I think about joining different organizations. You know, I've been a helper to many people and I've been a helper to people specifically. But every now and again, it'd be nice to have somebody help me too. You know, and so when you join, Paul says, you know, do whatever you can to help her out. Do whatever is necessary. Make whatever sacrifices to make sure she has what she needs. Mm. And I think as the body of Christ, as, the, as the, uh, the church, as Christian organizations, that's what we need to do. When people show up, when Phoebe comes through the door, don't start asking questions like well who is she well where did she come from what's she doing here but how do we help our sister you know and how do we be about the business about uh sharing with one another whatever our resources are whatever our information is paul said help her however you can to do what it is that she can do because she is a server in the kingdom amen and we really i mean that should be those those are the opportunities we should be looking for yes and it's yeah I, and I, if covid and George Floyd and all of the mm -hmm. trauma that the country has gone through in this last five or six months, Lord, let us make the most of it so we actually yes. have something good 
that is a result that mm -hmm. will mm -hmm. grow and refine and bond us together and create opportunities where we can promote each other because I mean you just your resume and all the stuff you you deal with is the kind of stuff that I've been I mean from way back when I first got saved dealing with post-traumatic mm -hmm. stress and veterans mm -hmm. and then finding out us women who have our own traumatized past have our own mm -hmm. PTSD <laughs> yes, and you know we just as a as a church, we don't know how to grieve very well because we're all like, well, they're in heaven and we're just good. And you know, right. that's just such a lie. Mm -hmm. It's like, so I just feel a special connection with you just because of the areas of expertise that you have. And those are the areas that I feel like we, we need to embrace instead mm -hmm. of like, I don't want to go there because it's painful. Right. Well, guess what? You need to go there because it's painful. You got to process you know? the pain. If you don't process it, it continue to come back. You don't get to sweep it under the rug. You just get a hump in the rug that you trip over. <laughs> oh, that's a good. Oh, what a good, what a good word picture. I love that. Well, okay. So let me, as we wrap this up, mm -hmm. um, is there anything else you wanted to share you haven't gotten a chance to before I ask you for a kind of final thought for us to ponder? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about, again, this whole idea of, of sisterhood, and you talk about how do we help one another, and how do we make a difference, and one of the things I thought about was a book that I published several years ago, it's called Help for Your Leadership, and I remember when we wrote that book, there were four authors on the book, um, I had published before, there was a publisher, and then two women who really had a heart to do something, who had not had an open door, and, and, and God has really given me a heart of discipleship to be able to walk with kingdom women and to help them, and so I thought, hey, you know, I will lend you my credibility because my name is already known in the industry you're trying to do some things so let's connect and do a project together and after that they were able to then go on and do solo projects and so when I think about what we can do for one another it's things like that how do you celebrate your sister by sharing resources lending her your credibility collaborating on projects walking together on things doing things like this podcast but how do we come together and do things that will be beneficial to one another right Right. Amen. And that is um, that I, I love to see all the ways God will orchestrate for those kinds of things to happen. I mean, we, we are yeah. doing a line of, of um, compilations and, and one of them out of this exact, you know, issue with the race relations. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just decided we're going to do one that is going to be for our black sisters in Christ to have a voice Amen. and to, and to, you know, and, and we're going to do it like, this is our gift to God. This is not any sort of moneymaker for us or anything. Mm -hmm. And if Cynthia hasn't talked to you yet, we need you to be part of that because we'd love to have you as part of that. She writes for him is the, the name okay. of the compilation we do. So, um, but that is, I love to see where we have some well-known authors and some brand new authors and they mm -hmm it's that synergy of being able to help one another and right. get each other in front of new audiences and absolutely you know, and it's so. the new audiences because like you say well known and new is relative based on the communities that you're serving right yeah exactly exactly so if you had one thought that mm -hmm. you would like us to just kind of walk away with pondering what would that be Hmm. One, one thought. God, I man, I got to waste so many times. <laughs> <one thought. laughs> oh God. So one thought I would say if we were going to walk away with is how do we collaborate 
and, and demonstrate to the people that we are his disciples. You know, when the Bible says people will know we're his disciples by our love one for another. How do we demonstrate that love through some type of collaborations? You know, whether it's two or three people coming together, four or five people coming together, two or three churches coming together, two or three organizations coming together. But how do we collaborate in love? How do we learn to reconcile differences sufficiently that we can move forward in any type of projects? And so I would say, go away pondering that. You know, who, who can you connect with to do something? Whatever it is, even if you collaborate to do something in your neighborhood, you're collaborating to do something with different family groups on your block. But how do you walk alongside somebody different from you? Not with the same people you always get together with, but somebody different. How do you make those collaborations happen so that people can see that we really are his disciples? I love that. That is a great it's like call to action. Let's do something with this. I'm going to do something, girl. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Blackwood, spending some time with us today. And it's just been rich. It's been delightful. Thank it's you so much. Thank you, Athena. I'm, I'm so honored to have been a guest on your show. And, and all things do work together for good for those who love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose. And so I'm thankful Amen. that you're called Amen. and so am I. Amen. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful, or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today, and I'll see you next week.